Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM. I'm John Jones, a director in the tax department of RSM South Africa. The insurance industry as a whole has certainly been in the news recently, following the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad reasons. But there's no doubt that this is an industry that has been affected and is having to relook at the way they do business like many others. Um, Today, I'm chatting to Andy Tenick, the Managing Director of African Reinsurance Corporation South Africa, which is a subsidiary of uh, African Reinsurance Corporation. African Reinsurance Corporation is the leading pan-African reinsurance company and the largest reinsurer in Africa in terms of net reinsurance written premiums. Andy has extensive experience in the insurance and reinsurance industry, having started his career in the industry in 1986. He holds a Bachelor of Commerce degree from the University of Cape Town and is an associate and fellow of the Chartered Insurance Institute UK. Welcome, Andy, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Morning, John. Um, thank you for inviting me, and it's it's good to be with you. Just, uh, I think, just to kick off, and um, with you having been in the insurance industry for uh, for over thirty years, uh, possibly you can give us some background, in particular to the reinsurance industry, which many people are not necessarily familiar with, uh, and how that's developed over time, and where you th- see things going in the future. Well, as you've said, uh, not many people know know much about reinsurance, and I guess that's due to its nature. It's it's really the insurance of of insurance companies, like insurance. Uh, reinsurance has been around for for many years, um, hundreds of years, in fact. And and reinsurance and insurance are both a promise to pay in the event of something specific happening at some time in the future. So. It's important that this promise can be fulfilled, and and for this to to happen, it's important that a number of things are done. And I guess it's it's in these things that the reinsurance industry has has needed to develop and 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 continue to develop, and and will do so for for time immemorial. So what am I really talking about? First of all, there needs to be financial security on the on the part of of the of the reinsurer. And I guess the big development here in recent times is the role that rating agencies play in the insurance and reinsurance space. Uh, They seek to bring independent transparency to the ranking of insurers and reinsurers. I think the degree and type of regulation has changed uh, dramatically, and that really drives the amount of capital that uh, these institutions need to hold in order to, to ensure financial security at the end of the day. Um, Andy, um, just, sorry, just yep. interrupt you there for a sec. I mean, uh, in terms of that regulation, do you feel that that has intensified over the last number of years? There's, there's definitely no doubt about that. I think um, certainly in the South African context, uh, and, and we were really on the back of the, the changes in, in, the, in the European uh, regulatory space, we we have what we refer to as SAM solvency assessment um, management, um, whereby the the regulation has become more risk based and and therefore understanding uh, an entity's risks uh, has become paramount and 
and really um, the the regulation seeks to to make sure sufficient capital is is backing um, is backing that institution. Allied to that, uh, the the emphasis on on protecting the the end consumer is really foremost in the minds of the regulators and, and the way insurers stroke reinsurers conduct themselves is is extremely important for them. So that's really, I mean, that regulation is really looking to ensure financial stability as far as the insurers and reinsurers are concerned. Exactly. And and with the with the end goal of of making sure the, the man in the street or the end consumer is is protected. One or two other areas in which um, you know things have needed to to develop or, or change in the industry is, you know, with with the development of of society, um, the globalization, concentration of of risk values, etc. Th- this has put a, a real emphasis on uh, the assessment of risk, the quantification of risk, and and ultimately the pricing of risk. And in addition to that, the accumulation of risk also needs to be controlled. So, so all of these issues have forced insurers and reinsurers to to change the way in which you know maybe historically they they used to do business. That's interesting. Um, let's talk about COVID. Obviously, it is uh, something that's at the forefront uh, of everyone's minds and and has become a reality in our daily lives. I mean, since the start of the pandemic, um, obviously insurance companies to a degree have been in the spotlight. I mean, how have you seen that if affect reinsurance and or uh, insurance entities uh, in South Africa over the over the last sort of 12 to 18 months? John, as, as we've already discussed, reinsurance is usually not in the public spotlight. And um, certainly in this example of COVID, yeah, insurers have, have taken the brunt of um, I guess uh, some some fairly negative publicity with regard to the stance that was originally adopted by them with regard to liability from uh, business interruption losses. Having said that, though, you know, due to the expected quantums involved, um, it's very likely that a very significant loss to the reinsurance industry is is going to be forthcoming. And this is really, you know, and I'm I'm taking it from the perspective that, you know, following the court cases that we've had in this country and uh, and in the UK, it it would appear that there is some legal certainty now around the um, the cover available to to insureds from uh, business interruption uh, policies, particularly the extension for infectious diseases. And I, you know, I make that comment from the perspective that, you know, there's still there's still some of those cases where elements of the judgments are are being um, appealed, but I'm I'm expecting those appeals not necessarily to change the the fact that uh, there is coverage under those policies, but it may have an impact on on quantification, particularly at the insurance level. So yeah, so so we've got some way to go on that. And then um, I guess the next issue to be to be deliberated on will be how those losses are then aggregated for the purposes of quantifying insurers' claims from from reinsurance under the catastrophe protections that they they purchase. They purchase these catastrophe protections to assist them in major losses where they have a significant number of losses coming from one event. 
Yeah, look, I, those those court cases, I know personally, I'm also, and in, in, in from our side, we're monitoring those quite carefully as well in terms of the uh, the rulings that are uh, being made uh, more from a VAT perspective, because there's some doubt as to the the, uh, the treatment of VAT in some of those cases. So, mm-hmm. uh, so those cases are actually of interest, not only from from an insurance reinsurance perspective, but also from uh, from a taxation perspective as well. Yeah. Um, do you see any changes coming out of the insurance industry uh, as a result of COVID? I mean, do you think it will change anything fundamentally within the industry? Well, I think it has already. Again, speaking from, from the departure point of this contingent business interruption exposure, these, these court cases have decided that, you know, that I think the intention from the insurance industry would be to provide protection for a business that was interrupted due to there being an infectious disease at a premises of an insured or, or within a, a certain radius, and those radiuses, you know, typically are 50 kilometres, but they vary depending on the policy. Yeah. However, the judgment that that has, or the judgments that have been passed down, have added a, an, an additional trigger to it, and that has been the the government lockdown to prevent the spread of this this virus. So. Yeah, I don't think the original intention from from insurers was that they would be looking to protect people from a decision taken by by an authority or, or a government in in this case. So yeah. yeah, I think there's already been a major a major change because of that, and that and that change is really the removal of that cover from policies uh, going forward. Okay, that's that's again very interesting in terms of uh, in terms of amending that type of cover in terms of the actual policies that have been agreed upon. Okay, let's move away from COVID. I think uh, everybody is um, COVID out and and tired of of COVID nineteen, <laughs> and we're all hoping to move back to some form of normality as we go forward. Looking at digital and disruptive technologies, I mean, we're obviously seeing it in our uh, in our industry where we're starting to see these types of technologies having an impact on the way that we do our work. Um, do, you, do you see anything in that zone specific to the insurance industry and, and the way that you do business? Yeah, I think if, if I could talk first of all about the, the changes that we're seeing on, on the insurance side, obviously, you know, the one that's, that's well known and, and in the face of, of many is the development of of the direct insurers, i.e., um, the players where um, policyholders can can interact directly with uh, with insurers, usually um, either over the phone or, or or through the internet, and and this is this has dramatically changed the the personal line space, giving a lot more flexibility around the types of coverages, the periods of coverage, etc. That um, that policyholders can can look to to obtain from these insurers. You know, I guess the the added benefit of that is that it's allowed these policyholders to to interact directly with insurers, effectively disintermediating the uh, the brokers that typically played uh, a role in that space. And I guess the the selling proposition from a direct insurer is that you don't have to pay the brokerage, and therefore, in theory, the the price is more favourable to the the end consumer. 
Um, yeah, other things that, that have helped insurers measure risk and, and price it better is the use of telematics and being able to, to see how motor vehicles, for example, are being driven, where they're being driven, how they're being driven, etc. This all has a role in being able to assess uh, the, the, the risk more scientifically. I guess, you know, from a, from a reinsurance perspective, it would be more of a, a business-to-business situation. And, and here, you know, digital technologies are, are helping in the transfer of, of data. A lot more of this is, is automated now, giving reinsurers access to significantly more information on which to assess and, and price risk. I think the 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 other areas where where this type of technology is is helping to to assist reinsurers is is in the space of uh, the models that have been built for assessing earthquake, windstorm, flood, bushfire, those types of perils from a, an accumulation of uh, exposure perspective, and and uh, yeah, trying to to put some sort of pricing to to the actual risk that's being covered. Okay. Just, just, I mean, just one takeaway from your comments there. I mean, you, you, you alluded to the fact of the brokers, and I know it's not direct to to you as a reinsurance uh, entity, but um, would, um, I mean, do you see the, the broker type business disappearing, or, or do you think there's still space for them? No, I, I believe there's there's definitely still a role for them, particularly more from a an advice perspective as opposed to um, being a, a conduit for the transaction of, of the business. Yeah, there's, there's certainly, um, in the more complex risk area, yeah, there's, there's definitely a need there for, for specialist advice from an independent um, perspective, i.e., you know, insurers will provide you with advice, but, but at the end of the day, they're, they're also looking after their own exposures and um, and balance sheets. So, so to get some uh, independent advice on that, I think will will always be necessary, and there will always be a space for them. Yeah, interesting. When when we started, you you made reference to the rating agencies, obviously in the context of uh, insurers and reinsurers specifically. Um, we've obviously seen South Africa economically uh, go through a number of downgrades over over the last um, few years uh, from the rating agencies. Uh, and um, you know, it's interesting just to get your viewpoint around that as to as to how you feel that's going to impact on business within South Africa. Yeah, I, th- I think to my mind, the most immediate impact on on our industry would be a further downgrade would would just increase the amount of of capital that insurers and reinsurers would would have to hold, um, and this is largely due to. Um, the assets that they hold, they are significant holders of, of assets um, being rated as, as more risky due to mm. the reduction of the sovereign rating. And obviously that impacts the, the ratings of, of the counterparties that, that hold these, these assets that we've invested. So, you know, straight away that puts more, more pressure on, on ourselves. I think the next the next big issue would be, you know, low, a low sovereign rating just makes everything more expensive for for the for everybody else in the economy. You know, it, it effectively increases the the cost of borrowing, and and that is that is a negative for for the for the economy. I think from from Africa Re's perspective, you know, South Africa is a a significant part of the the Africa Re. Uh, 
group. But now I think there'll be pressure on our contribution to the group if the sovereign rating continues to to deteriorate um, yeah. for the reasons that that I've already mentioned. Yeah, there'll be less there'll be less business available to us, and and obviously our capital costs will be be significantly higher. And uh, neither of those are are good for us. Yeah, and I think I mean that's that's also flying from uh, from 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 where we were going next in terms of uh, you know looking at insurance in in many organisations when you talk insurance they tend to look at it as a grudge purchase and uh, although it's obviously necessary within within any organisation uh, you, you you'd probably look to see those organisations looking to reduce costs as they come under pressure. And maybe insurance is an area that they look at. Um, but I mean, you know, when we look at that uh, from, from the perspective of a business, I mean, what is the most important thing to look at when you're looking at your insurance coverage? John, I think, I think this is a, a very important aspect to, to look at. And we have already seen um, as, you know, before, even before COVID, we, we were in an economy that was, that was struggling, if I can put Agreed. it like that. That's yeah. probably putting it mildly. Um, and and <laughs> purchases of of insurers of insurance were 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 really looking at how they could um, how they could reduce the the cost of that. Um, and we've seen uh, significant changes in the buying patterns of of policyholders. So, you know, my advice would be understand the risks that are inherent in your business. Introduce risk management controls to to manage those risks as as much as you can. However, there will always be a point at which you need to transfer those risks, and uh, you know, and in transferring them, make sure that that you insure them with uh, financially stable insurers, but also make sure that the cover you purchase is sufficient. Um, in terms of the the value of your assets, but also in terms of the the risks that you have to cover, and and this brings us back to that that previous point we were talking about um, with regard to to advice, and and I think you know if if yeah. you have a complex risk base, then the advice of a of an intermediary or a broker would be paramount here in in, in helping you design the. Um, the most efficient way of, of protecting protecting your assets or liabilities. I think in, in addition to that, I think be, be transparent, um, review the coverages and, and the values you have at risk on, on a regular basis. Yeah, I think again that point around the broker is is a very interesting one, and and probably one that is that is very important in the sense that you you need to start to look at that individual as you would uh, or organisation, as you would any other professional advisor, whether it be a tax advisor, um, a legal advisor. Um, you you need to to find an appropriate advisor from an insurance point of view, and, and make sure you're getting the correct advice to. Uh, to support your business properly. Agreed. And just, uh, yeah, just looking at the last 12 months, um, I mean, what do you think are the biggest lessons you've learned from a business point of view over, uh, over the pleasures of COVID-19 and, and the difficulties that, that we've all been through in, in dealing with it? I think the, the most 
sort of obvious one to us was been that it's been possible for us to do all our activities remotely. Yeah, we but we were quite quite able um, to to continue all assets or facets of our of our operations from from a remote basis. But having said that, I I believe that continued isolation cannot be be a good thing indefinitely. And um, you know, when we were chatting briefly before the podcast started, I I was saying I couldn't wait for things to get back to some some form of uh, normality. Uh, normality. So you know, um, but but having said that, yeah, you know, we've been pleasantly surprised at at how well things have have been able to to continue. I think looking looking at some other aspects, the interpretations by the courts, which we we were discussing earlier, I think have been a a, a dramatic wake up call to the insurance industry, particularly in in South Africa, and and there's really a, a, a need now and a requirement from from the insurance and reinsurance um, sectors to to really have a good look at. Um, the detail that that is contained in policy wordings and ensure that um, the the way these policy wordings are, are constructed is uh, are in line with with the coverages that are are intended. And I think you know leading leading from that, I, I think the insurance and and reinsurance industry needs to to find a different uh, mechanism or, or way of providing um, coverage to deal with, with pandemic uh, risks. I, I don't think these types of risks uh, are going to go away. Um, in fact, they probably are going to become more, more frequent going forward. And to me, it, it lends itself to a, a solution that looks more like a SASRIA type of, of solution where the, the coverage is more uniform in nature and uh, and is um, perhaps becomes more of a uh, I'd hesitate to use the the word compulsory purchase but a purchase that is is attractively priced so that it would appeal to to a, a greater percentage of the of the insuring public yeah interesting comments andy and I, I think they're ones that I would agree with uh, I think uh, definitely we've learned we can work from home but uh, I, I think also flowing from that I think those personal interactions are still important um and yes absolutely there's no doubt that pandemics are not going to go away as as world populations increase and connectivity uh, in terms of personal um, interaction is uh, is more intensive um, because of that. Um, the reality of pandemics uh, is is likely to be something that we'll see a lot more of in the future. Andy, thanks very much. We really appreciate you giving us uh, your time. Uh, Africa Re, from an RSM point of view, is 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 a really great client to deal with, and um, it's been a pleasure dealing with with you and your uh, and your people over the last uh, three or four years. So uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. And, uh, and flowing from that, that concludes this podcast. Thank you. John, many thanks. Um, uh, and thanks again for the, for the opportunity. That was Conversations in Business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za 